Welcome to the PKN Podcast, where we give you the wrap on all things packaging. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Grant McCarran, and uh, in this episode, we're going to be discussing how packaging can help solve the problem of food waste. And as ever, I'm joined by Lindy Hewson, Managing Editor and Publisher of PKN Packaging News and also the host of the show. Lindy, how are you going today? I'm very well, thank you, Grant, and excited to be here to talk about a very critical issue for our um, industry. So when it comes to waste, many people think of packaging as the criminal, uh, polluting our waterways and living spaces. But in fact, a bigger problem for the environment by far is food waste. Last week, United Nations Food and Agriculture Organization invited everyone around the world to observe the first International Day of Awareness of Food Loss and Waste, and that happened on the 29th of September. The event marked a clear call to action to both the public and the private sectors to bolster efforts to reduce food loss and waste towards ensuring food security for all and particularly for the most vulnerable. In Australia, we waste 7.3 million tonnes of food across the supply chain and the consumption chain, and 34% of that is in our homes. So today we have with us to talk us through the extent of the problem, why it is a problem, plus how packaging can help solve this problem, our guests Carly Verghese and Nerida Kelton. Carly is Associate Professor and Principal Research Fellow in Industrial Design at RMIT, and importantly for today's conversation, the Reduce Program Leader at the Fight Food Waste Cooperative Research Center, or CRC as we will now refer to it from this point. Nerida is the Executive Director of the Australian Institute of Packaging, the peak body for Australia's packaging professionals, and also a participant in the Fight Food Waste CRC. Nerida is the project lead for the Save Food Packaging Project in the Fight Food Waste CRC. So we have got two experts, two people who really know their topic and um, are going to share with us their insights today. Carly, I'm going to start with you and ask you to give us a snapshot of what the Fight Food Waste CRC is and what your role is there. Yeah, thanks, Lindy. So the CRC is a 10-year research centre Uh, comprising of industry, government and also research institutions and universities to tackle food waste. We have a a 10-year mission and it's a $121 million research centre comprising of 60 participants at the moment. Uh, Since its establishment in July of 2018, uh, we now have um, around 30 projects that have been contracted and are operational, looking at a whole range of different, um, I guess, different areas of of this challenge that we have um, around reducing losses through the supply chain, transforming unavoidable waste into um, innovative products, and then the important role also of educating consumers and industry around the topic. So can you give us a brief update on some of the projects and the insights that you're gaining from them? Yeah, so within the Reduce program, which is, as you mentioned, uh, the program that I oversee, we've got a number of packaging projects. Um, one, which is what Nerida is going to talk to us about, the uh, Safe Food Packaging uh, Criteria Project. We've also got a project around consumer perceptions of the role of packaging in minimising food waste, and that's um, involving um, partners um, RMIT, uh, Sustainability Victoria, and also Woolworths. We have a third packaging project with the Australian Packaging and Processing Machinery Association to to really understand um, the role that that part of the sector um, can play within the supply chain. 
and that's also involving RMIT. And then there's a couple of other projects um, looking at the prawn supply chain and also bananas and, and cold chain with respect to bananas. So there are a couple of examples of, of packaging projects that we have operational at the moment. Well, that's, those sound like really good ones to explore. Perhaps some of those can be touched on later and perhaps in, in future episodes. Nerida, I'm going to turn to you now. With Australia producing 7.3 million tonnes of food waste, as I mentioned earlier, across the supply and consumption chain, and our federal government's national waste, food waste strategy to halve food waste um, that goes to landfill by 2030, you have said in some of the articles that you've written on the subject that now is the time for packaging technologists to review packaging design that can minimise food waste and loss. So tell us about the Australian Institute of Packaging's involvement with the CRC and how you see packaging working towards saving food. Thank you, Lindy. So I think the, the first thing is to go back to the fundamentals of packaging design, which is that we design packaging to contain, protect preserve and transport product. And when we're talking about safe food packaging design, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the true role that packaging plays. Um, packaging is such an important aspect of minimising food waste because if we can get the packaging right at the start, then potentially when the consumers are opening their packaging at the end of the supply, supply chain in their households, they're going to potentially not waste food and hopefully minimise food along the supply chain as well. So we joined the Fight Food Waste CRC and we're very proud of being a part of the CRC to develop a project around safe food packaging guidelines. The guidelines are designed to um, embed into all of the brands and the manufacturing processes so that they can actually stop and think about all of the areas and intuitive ways that they can design their packaging to minimise food waste. And that can be everything from extension of shelf life to barrier to small portion control to consumer convenience. So we're working with the CRC and RMIT at the moment on um, a number of surveys and research projects to identify where the industry currently sits in this. And what we've realised over the last few months is that unfortunately, the majority of manufacturers are not considering packaging design or food waste when they're designing their packaging. So we're hoping that with these guidelines that we're working with the CRC on, we'll encourage them to embed it in their design processes and actually minimise food waste all the way to the households. Oh, so, and why do you think it is that manufacturers haven't got that on their radar? I think that um, they have a standard design process, and uh, and Carly can certainly jump in as well on this. That but the what the research is showing us is that they have a process, and there's no consideration for food waste. Maybe it's not top of mind. Maybe they haven't realised that food waste is such a critical issue. Um, possibly not understanding the true environmental impacts of food design, and then also food packaging. Um, I think possibly it could be because that it's just not top of mind. So that's the whole point of the CRC. It's the whole point of the, the federal government's strategy to have food waste by, by um, 50% going in a landfill by 2030. That's the whole purpose of, of, of the AIP's project is to actually make it top of mind. So let's look at some of those guidelines um, that you talked about. If you can expand on some of the ways, uh, intuitive ways and innovative ways that packaging can save food. 
So we've divided the guidelines up into um, five sections. Um, what I would like to talk about is the four key sections, which is the first one is to design to contain and protect the product from spoilage and damage through manufacture, warehouse and the various stages of distribution. And what we're trying to do here is educate the packaging designers and technologists to understand that their packaging is their primary, their secondary and their tertiary. It's transporting it all the way through the supply chain and how it actually handles all the way through the supply chain. And then obviously at the end in the households. So what we're talking about here is everything from the actual initial design of the primary, secondary and tertiary packaging through to palletization, transportation, tamper evidence and shock vibration, temperature sensors, etc. Um, for, for us, one of the most intuitive um, aspects of this area of packaging design is actually looking at your losses and identifying and measuring your losses across your supply chain, particularly in cold chain, because cold chain has a high has high food losses. So that's everything from how do you put a pallet in a truck? If you've got four or six different fresh produce, vegetables and fruits in that truck, where do you put them to ensure that you're minimizing food waste? And there actually is a process for that. How do you aerate your pallets? How do you stack them in the trucks? So there are lots of easy things that can be done even in the cold chain area and within the transportation within a truck that can actually minimize food waste along the supply chain. And I think what you've just, yeah, I think what you've just um, highlighted there, Nerida, is really the important role of that whole supply chain collaboration. Everyone along the supply chain needs to be having these open conversations. We need to be understanding where loss is occurring and more importantly, why is it occurring so that we can, if it's a packaging issue, if it's a cold chain issue, if it's behavioural or training or whatever it is, that collectively we're actually having those open conversations and actually making a difference that we all recognise and value that waste is unacceptable and that we shouldn't be having it. Um, and <laughs> we should be driving that down and making sure that we're doing the best we can because everyone's got finite time and resources. So let's maximise that to ensure that we are optimising the system. Yeah, I don't think that there is a way forward to finding a solution without collaboration. I think that's very clear. So, um, Nerida, can we um, talk now about your next point? So the next guideline is to design to preserve enhanced product appeal and extend shelf life. Now, obviously, for a standard food packaging design, um, any any person in packaging technology and, and that are designers of packaging understand extension and shelf life and barrier because it's one of the most critical points for for food and for all packaging. So <clears throat> what we're trying to do here though is to actually really raise up the profile of extension of shelf life barrier and how to make sure that we're not wasting food wherever possible through intuitive design. And what that includes is conversations around advancements in technologies and materials for skin and vacuum packaging because um, that is a wonderfully intuitive example. Um, this example actually goes to our World Star Award winner, 
which was an Australian company, um, Hazeldean Chicken. They actually won the World Star Safe Food Packaging Award this year, and it was basically designed um, not only to protect and preserve, but it was designed with small consumer, um, small portion control, consumer convenience. It was freezer ready, so it ticked all of the boxes on what's intuitive design for extending extending shelf life but also going into consumer convenience and households, which we can talk about a little bit later. Um, so that's a great example. But one of the other things that we have realised with the research we're working on is active and intelligent packaging. So active and intelligent packaging at the moment is um, the use of it is actually a barrier for a lot of manufacturers. And the immediate reaction through our research is cost. So a lot of the brands consider that there's high costs involved with active and intelligent packaging. Um, so we need to do a lot more education and training on why the benefits of active and intelligent packaging, sensors, loads, um, uh, load systems. Um, we need to show them what it can actually do to identify uh, something that's about to go to waste, something that's about to um, head towards its use-by date, um, something that's about to spoil. So there are extremely innovative examples around the world in this active and intelligent space, and we need to educate people on why they should use it and the value of it. So I guess what it comes down to those will always remain the cost. Um, because I've spoken to a number of people who have great innovation in the sustainable front, and they go all the way down with the supply with the brand owner and say, "This is what it can do for your brand, and you can do that." And then at the end of it all, it comes down to talk to me when this is legislated, or talk to me um, when the cost when the cost is down. And I think uh, with a lot of those uh, those technologies, with smart technology. I'm not sure um, how quickly we're going to be able to bring down the cost, but hopefully um, it will be soon because I think having sensor technology on uh, temperature sensitive technology on food packs can make a tremendous difference to give consumers reassurance. And that brings me to one of the points I wanted to raise. You do mention modified atmosphere packaging as well. Um, and so, for example, salad bags uh, might we have longer shelf life on our spinach leaves. And I was thinking of Carly this morning as I picked up the spinach that I was going to include in my omelet. And I thought, oh, heck, I'm using this. And it said best before 19th of September, but this still looks okay to me. Now I'm going, oh, is it still okay? Do I need to, you know? And I thought, no, no, I know this could still be okay. And I'm going to use my common sense. But how many people aren't doing that? Quite a lot of people are not doing that. You know, look at the date and, yeah, it's the, the 20th of September or if it's the 30th, whatever it is, and think, okay, yep, out, out it goes without touching or smelling or tasting and that kind of stuff. And I think that that's where collectively we all need to be you know, going back to sort of those core principles of engaging more with the food, um, understanding, you know, is there potentially a, a safety risk? Obviously, you know, spinach leaves less so than, you know, <laughs> seafood, for instance. But it's that kind of thing. And I think that that's collectively also, you know, industry, government, you know, consumers actually having these conversations and, 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 and learning more about food. What, you know, how does it actually live or die? Um, and what are the ways that we need to be interacting with it? Um, and I guess it also, it, it comes down to, I think also, 
how we even manage our stock within our, our households as well, our kitchen design, our fridge design, you know, making sure that that bag of spinach doesn't get pushed to the back of the crisper drawer. So, there's so many different ways that we can be um, playing an active role, um, but it's also challenging because everyday life gets in its way as well. So, it's, um, it's not an easy answer. We'll talk a bit more about consumer uh, behaviours a bit later. So, Nerida, you wanted to um, add something there? So one of the actions that we would encourage everybody to do, and that's industry and also consumers, is actually learn the difference between a use-by and a best-before and a good after-date. And uh, obviously, my parents have a different perspective because even if it's curdled, they'll still eat it. Um, so, they're from a totally different era from, from myself and then the younger ones have got a totally different perception, which is even worse than mine. So, I think that we need to educate everybody on the differences between um, a use-by date and a best-before. And a use-by date is to do with safety and a best before is the quality and nutrition and flavor of a product. So just try and learn the difference because that can make a difference to, to this conversation that we're having. Yeah, and also to actually use the right labels on the right products as well. And, and that is definitely an area uh, that the CRC is looking uh, with current partners and, and, and new participants to, to, to look into more detail in providing some more standardization around date and food labeling. So, Nerida, the other thing you raised there with the uh, skin pack example was how it was designed to also provide convenience. And I think that's another part of your guidelines. It is. So, um, designing for to provide convenience to not waste the food in handling, but it's also just consumer convenience. And what we're finding is that household numbers are changing. So, where they were traditionally six, four people, um, a lot of households are now one or two. So, if we are actually having an honest conversation around the packaging and the food, we need to actually reduce the serving sizes. So, we need to actually be designing food products that actually are for one person or designing food products that are for two people. And what we found with, again, with the hazeldean chicken example is that it was designed for two. It wasn't designed for four, so there's no wastage. So, for someone like myself, there's only myself and my husband, we would prefer to buy mince for two people rather than have it for four. Um, so, I think that consumer convenience is absolutely critical component of this. This is what consumers want. Um, smaller portions is what consumers want, and it also potentially minimises food waste. So, what we have, though, is um, out there a lot of the, the misperception that designing for smaller portions and more convenience brings more packaging. So sometimes more packaging is necessary to create a better end result on the food waste spectrum. Do you want to talk around that point? Absolutely. And, and it's something that we continually talk about on a daily basis. There is a significant balance that needs to be met to design optimal packaging to meet the 2025 national packaging targets and the 2030 targets. The environmental impact needs to be discussed across the whole of, of both targets and across the production of the food and also the production and design of the packaging. So, we, we can't just take packaging as one aspect. We actually have to look at the environmental aspect and impact of the food production all the way through the supply chain. Packaging is only one element of it. Um, for us, an ideal optimal design is, a re, is a, something that's circular, something that's recyclable, that can be reused. Um, but obviously, there are some challenges 
this when you drop down to small portions because it's classified as overpackaging. But I think that that needs to be considered for each product and for each design um, that they're doing. Carly, do you want to weigh in? Yeah, and just building upon that. So, from a greenhouse perspective, you know, what goes into making or producing and harvesting food, the packaging, and then potential food waste. When you take into account that the packaging as a system has a lower environmental impact from a greenhouse perspective than the, the than the food waste, um, so that it's really important to really find that balance of having that appropriate serving size, having that appropriate protection of the product, so that the consumer can be using it without wasting it, um, and then as as Nerida said, around the circularity of the material as well. So it is a really a system holistic view that we need to be taking and and not just focusing on one single element or part of the supply chain. So, there will be trade-offs as well. Yeah, I guess you have to uh, consider that when we look at anything, if you look at the health of a human body, you never can look at just the one thing. I mean, earache, yes, but, you know, holistically, holistic treatment is usually the better way to go. So, we have to approach our environment, we have to approach our our industry solutions in the same way. Nerida? I just wanted to add to to that is it's all down to environmental impact of the product. So you need to start at that point and look at it through the whole supply chain and make the decisions based on that. Um, food waste is a global issue. It's not going away and we need to do more and we need to design better and more intuitive packaging to ensure we're not wasting food that's unnecessary. Well, I think um, your fourth guideline relates to communicating to consumers. Can you expand on that? So, we we want to design to promote and communicate to consumers how to handle, store, prepare and reuse food products. And this is a great one because um, from a uh, brand's perspective, we would really encourage them to look at better on-pack communication. Um, And Carly, again, can attest to this. There are a lot of weaknesses in this area. Um, When we look at the Safe Food Packaging Design entries, uh, on-pack communication is a very weak point. And what What we mean by that is that brands and marketing people within the brands need to actually explain things like use by dates, best before dates, recipe ideas, um, storage ideas, explanations on refrigeration, explanations on whether it's freezer ready or not. And if we can improve our on-pack communication from a design area, it will potentially help the consumers in their fridges and in their households. And I think that's one of the Um, highest points that I would encourage designers to look at. And then obviously from a consumer perspective, we need to help them understand why it's packed the way it is and what they need to do with it. Yeah, definitely, Narita. And I think that storage element, yeah, where should you put your apples? Should they be on the bench in the fruit bowl or should it be in the fridge? And having clear, consistent messaging as an example um, for apples. Yeah, it sounds simple, (laughs) but it's also complex as well. So, I think it goes back to having that agreed standardisation. We're all rolling out. We're all sending the same messages. We're all got, yeah, the the clear messaging, um, not just for industry, but the consumers as well. So, it's it is really a, um, again, going back to that collaborative aspect is really important. 
I think the point that Nerida made as well about using your packaging as your communication device, because you could roll out a global TV campaign. Hey, you know, look, look at the problem of food waste and different messages can come through from that. But we, we, A, that's a massive expense and, um, really quite effective is the brand in the hand. And one of the most interesting examples that I've seen recently, and I was like, wow, is Woolworth's new packaging that they've rolled out for, um, for meat, um, in which they've got its skin packaging. So the, the shelf life is extended, but the, um, the different layers, they cl- communicate very clearly on pack exactly what you do. You peel off the top layer, remove your steak. You can then separate the bottom layer of the, of the barrier film, um, from the cardboard packaging, put the cardboard in the cardboard waste, rinse and dry your plastic. And that can go to the red cycle in store, to the collection in store at Woolworths. So I did struggle a little, I have to confess, to get the, to separate the cardboard and the plastic effectively to make the plastic be a, a complete only plastic piece. So I'm not sure um, well, how that would affect it going into red cycle. Perhaps one of you could answer that. But what I thought was, wow, this is so clear. It was so easy to understand in very simple language. Um, and as you know, Woolworths has also adopted the Australian recycling label on its own brand products as well. And the, just using those symbols, the more we see them, the more ingrained they'll become for us as consumers. So, Lindy, I think with that, obviously the um, Australasian recycling label is a perfect example of what we should be doing in, in food waste um, communication. So taking the this, the same concept and applying it to is it freezer ready? Where should I store it in my fridge? Um, is there a link here to a website or a, um, a sm- smart and intelligent communication tool that tells me a little bit more about how I should store this or how or a recipe on how I should use my leftovers? And obviously there are a lot of designers and marketers that are saying, but Nerida, we don't have enough space on pack, where are we going to put all of these logos? And we understand that. But what we need to do is really look at the logos that are currently being used on pack and get rid of all of the ones that are unnecessary and focus on ones like the ARL and potentially uh, consumer talking points for food waste that to me are far more important than a, a Mobius loop link or something that doesn't even explain anything to the consumer. Speaking as a consumer, I find that uh, you know that the whole thing of uh, where can you store everything, uh, everything you've just been talking about on the consumer education is is ticking boxes for me because, uh, for instance, we may have some some ripe avocados. We put them in the fridge because if they stay out, they're going to overripe. Whereas the ones that are a little hard, we leave on the fruit bowl until they ripen up a bit more. Things like uh, education of people not buying too much, or if you do have, if you've bought enough to make excess, then how do you store that properly? Um, we're, we're pretty good at that. We'll, we'll do a big batch of cooking and, um, and then store stuff for the future days and, and even have some in the freezer for much later. Getting that education across, it's, it's, as you just said, it's more than just the packaging. It's, it's educating consumers. And, and Lindy, you, you mentioned about on the TV, not everyone watches the TV, so, but they've got the packaging right there in their hand. So it's uh, everything you're saying is absolutely amazing and, and I'm very excited to be hearing this. So there are a lot of things, Grant, that are happening in this space and it can it includes 
marketers actually communicating on websites, so link back to websites. That can be potentially through through QR codes, um, some of the barcode technology that's being designed at the moment that's that's far more intuitive and actually can communicate on, on site and also obviously when you come home. Um, so, for, for a smaller pack and you've got limited space, um, we need to look at other opportunities and other, other area avenues for people to access that information. So, um, that's something that I think people are working on in the industry, but I think we need to do more in that area. Yeah, and I think that that also provides that link also to, you know, the state jurisdictions like Sustainability Victoria, New South Wales, EPA, who have, you know, the Love Food Hate Waste program out of the UK. And then, you know, lots of tips and ideas there as well. And I guess that's the beauty of the CRC is all of those participants are, are within the ecosystem of the CRC and, and all working together around this. And, and recently, in the last couple of months, the CRC has also launched a new social media campaign. It's easy as bringing those resources together and getting to new new audiences as well. Um, so, I think that there's some real opportunities there around how, how you then connect that potentially to packaging as well. So, we're going to bring this to a close now, but I'd like us to just consider um, where we are now, Carly. Perhaps you can just say, what is the status of, of our situation at the moment? And what are, what are the plans over the next uh, short to medium term? And then, Nerida, perhaps you can also talk a little bit about plans for the what, what's going to happen next year on International Food Waste, Food Loss and Waste Awareness Day, if you have any plans around that. Yeah, so from a CRC perspective, what's really exciting is, I mean, I've been on this journey for quite a while now, is to see actually the projects have been operational for, for just over a year now, um, and we are coming out with research findings. Um, and yeah, so watch out over the next couple of months, there'll be various reports, different communication, infographics, videos to start to see disseminating this information, providing you with resources to help you with that. Um, I think just finally is really that important role of the consumer, but more research needs to happen in households. We need to be understand, we need to find out how consumers are actually using packaging so we can bring that back into the design process. And I'll just, I'll just conclude there, our own households are a great laboratory in a sense, have a look at what's in your fridge, in your pantry. What are you using, not using? Is it your brand? Is it someone else's brand? And how can you be taking that knowledge back to the design team and the marketing team to really make an impact? Thanks, Carly. Nerida? Um, from the AIP CRC projects perspective, we are so very close to being able to announce and launch our reports and our survey results. So, we're really excited to actually share with the industry what we have learned over the last 12 months. So, watch this space. That's coming very, very soon. And hopefully, then we can start to pilot um, with a number of manufacturers. We would like to pilot the guidelines as our next step and to start working through specific categories where there's high high losses and use those guidelines within those categories in the pilot program to to make sure that we have the best guidelines available to suit each specific category. Um, from 
The perspective of the inaugural Food Loss and Waste Day, the AIP are committed to continue that on an annual basis, as is the CRC and and the wider food waste industry here in Australia. Um, From our perspective, we would like to, at minimum, have a a seminar, a workshop or a forum on that day. Um, And we also have our training course on the role of packaging to minimise food waste that we would hopefully like to run on that day as well. So, again, watch this space. Um, Some exciting news for next year. Well, thanks to both of you for joining us today. Um, Information is power and collaboration is key is what I'm taking from this. And um, also the idea that every little bit counts, even in our own households. There's lots of exciting stuff happening. PKN is looking forward to continuing to provide a platform for the news and for the survey reports and for all the information that's coming out and to continuing to cover this very important topic. So thanks again for joining us today. Thanks. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the episode. I think you'll agree it's been very informative and there's some uh, great developments that we can look forward to in the future. We'll be back shortly again with our next episode. Thanks very much for joining in. You've been listening to the PKN Podcast, produced by Southern Skies Media on behalf of PKN Packaging News, owned and published by Yaffa Media. The views of the people featured on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of PKN Packaging News, Yaffa Media, or the guest's employer. The contents are copyright by Yaffa Media. If you wish to use any of this podcast audio, please contact us via the website or send an email to editor at packagingnews.com.au. You can subscribe to this podcast via your preferred platform and read all the latest news on Australia's packaging industry at packagingnews.com.au. You've been listening to a Yappa Media Podcast.